thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I heard about this wealthy man. He was known for being eccentric. So he was having a big party at his house. And in the backyard of his house, he had a large swimming pool filled with sharks and alligators. He announced to the guest, anyone who will swim across my pool, I'll give you anything you want. A few minutes later, there was a big splash. This man was going as fast as he could, dodging alligators and maneuvering around the sharks and made it to the other side just in the nick of time and got out as quickly as he could. The wealthy man said, wow, you are the bravest person I have ever met. I can't believe you just did it. What would you like me to give you? This man said, what I want more than anything else is the name of the person who pushed me in. (laughs) That's quite funny. So we're in the middle of this series on the celebrating 500 years of the anniversary of the Reformation. And of course, the Reformation with Martin Luther and many of the reformers, John Calvin and others, um, the last couple of weeks we've been going on this journey uh, to really kind of come back to the pure gospel. They challenged the Catholic Church who had kind of added a lot of things uh, to the gospel. And they said, no, it's actually not in the Bible. And so they, that's why they protested. That's where the Protestant Church comes from. And they said, no, the gospel is justification by grace alone through faith. And it has nothing to do with you and me, not how we perform, how we perform good or bad. It is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus plus nothing. And so we'll be talking about, let's say together, it is Jesus plus nothing. And so my goal in this series has been to really kind of focus on our covenant, our relationship with Jesus um, in a profound, profound way to come back to, Lord, what have you really done for me? I want Jesus to become bigger in our lives, in every Every sense of the way, bigger of his love for us, bigger his peace, his joy, everything that Christ has given to us, I want us to kind of just grow in this as we see what he has given to us in the covenants and in Christ Jesus. It is just so beautiful. Now, part of this journey has been that we've been celebrating, like Jason was saying beforehand, Holy Communion. And I've been doing it every day, and and honestly with you, I've been so enjoying as, as my own revelation, I've had some revelation uh, about communion and about the Lord's Supper. But as my, as my own revelation has increased, it has really changed my life. And, and, and for me, the most important meal of the day is now my meal with God. That's the most important meal. Before I have breakfast, I'll have my meal with Jesus. And you know, it's not some magic thinking. It's not some magic kind of thing we do. Not some kind of ritual in that sense. But what I have found is when, I, when the early church did it every day, as part of their supper, as part of their love feast, they would always finish the love feast with the supper, I thought, man, if they do it every day, why can't I do it every day? And then I heard about Mother Teresa doing it every day. Then I heard about Bill Johnson doing it every day. Then I heard about Joseph Prince doing it every day. Then I heard about um, Smith Wigglesworth doing it every day. I said, you know, there's something about this that I'm not getting yet. And so as we've been going through this series, my revelation has really grown in understanding the, 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 the depth of and the power of this thing. And, and the reason why it's so powerful is we actually focus on Jesus. 
When I start in the morning doing communion, I actually focus on Christ. My focus is on Him. And honestly, things start to change. And I start to, by faith, start to claim and start to look at who He is in my life. And I go into that day amazingly uh, focused on Him first and walking in the inheritance that I and all of us have in Him which is very powerful. So that is absolutely beautiful. So now the basis, I'm walking here because I've got my water here. Um, the basis of, of, of uh, our relationship with God and the basis of communion and the basis of our new life in Jesus Christ and the basis of everything that we have and everything that we do, the basis of our intimacy with Him, the basis of our authority in Him, which will be a major theme next year, uh, our authority in him, everything is based on the covenant and particularly on the covenantal exchange. All relationship with God is based on covenant. Let's say it together. All relationship with God is based on covenant. And the covenant is the mechanism for which dominion and rulership, his kingdom comes into the earth in and through our lives. It's very, very powerful. And the definition of covenant in this sense is a relational exchange. It is very, very powerful. And I, I, I say it again, and hopefully we can learn this and can really have a revelation about this. Everything about the covenant is I give what I have. We did it again yesterday in that wedding uh, with, with um, just Joshua and um, Lydia last week with Rachel and Tim. They, they have covenant. A covenant is I give myself 100% to you and you give my, yourself 100% to me. Now what I said yesterday in the, in the, in the, in the talk um, with the wedding, I said the thing is <clears throat> we sometimes are afraid that when we give ourselves 100% to somebody else that we kind of lose ourselves. We become one and who am I then? Now we're one and now who is me? But the thing is, though, what I found is we don't actually lose ourselves at all. It says something in the Bible. Remember, you lose yourself, you find yourself. Actually, when you get married in that sense, when you give yourself 100% to the other, you actually find yourself. It's very, very powerful. And so the, the covenant that we have with God is, of course, that we give everything that we are, the good and the bad, right? But the thing is, though, the great deal is that he gives everything that he is. The good and the good and the good. There's no bad. And so everything, I mean, so unequal. I mean, it's one thing to get married. You're kind of equal kind of thing. I mean, somebody may bring some more money. And man, I'm blessed. I got some more money. You got, you got more money than I have. Yes, you'll be blessed. It is a relationship. But we are talking about I am giving myself. He is giving himself. Everything he is, he gives to me. And that is covenant. Covenant is that everything that he gives, everything I give to you, he gives everything to me. It's not 50-50. It's a complete giving of the one to the other. And that relationship God has asked and invited all of us into. It is so beautiful. It is so powerful. It is so deep. It is actually everything that we stand on. The covenant is what we stand on. And so last week... Nice water. Last week, I won't be too long today. Last week, we talked about the formation of covenants. There's five things. 
for a formation of covenant. One is the covenant call. We saw Abraham was called. God says, Abraham didn't even know God. You know, Abraham, he says, God, I'm calling you into this, this nation. It's amazing, the whole story. But he called into. Now, we've been called into covenant too. For God so loved the world that, he gave, that, that, that God gave Jesus Christ, you know, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We've been, we've been called into a covenant. Now, the most important part is the second part, is that then the covenant is actually cut. Did you know? That covenant in the Hebrew actually means what? Cutting. That's right. So it's the cutting. A covenant is a cutting. Now you got the old covenant in the Bible, you know, the New Testament, old covenant. All this stuff is covenant, and the cutting already gives an indication of what it is all about. Because only blood can establish covenant. Now then we have the signs of the covenant. For Abraham, it was a snip of the tip. What? It was the circumcision. And for us, uh, in Christ, it is actually a totally losing of your life. It is actually a new creation. The old gets taken out, the new gets taken in. And so, so we actually, it's actually baptism. It talks, last week I talked about this. It's actually being baptized in God into his life. You lose your old life and you become a new life. So the whole body goes, not just a little snip of the tip. Everything goes. Your whole flesh, in that sense, is baptized into him. Then we saw the covenant had words. And so we saw in the Old Testament that, uh, that the Torah, like the, the covenant word, this is the contract. These are the things, the rules, if you like. And we saw that. And of course, the New Testament, they have the covenant words in the sense of the Bible, and particularly the New Testament, in particular epistles uh, after Jesus died, and hopefully we get some more revelation about this today. And the fifth thing was the covenant gift. Now, as you know, with Abraham, God asked him to give the best that he has, his promised, the promise um, in his life, which was his son. And of course, in the end, he didn't kill him, but of course, uh, he got a ram. But the whole point was, it was of course a picture of Jesus Christ, because now the sign, of course, of the new covenant is Jesus, and actually God gives his best, and of course, Christ died for us. And what happens then, not only gives, God gives us Christ, which is one third of the Trinity, but then God gives us his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He gives two thirds of himself to us in his amazing way. And of course, the Holy Spirit is with us right now. And so Jesus paid for the covenant, but the Holy Spirit is the broker of the covenant. He's the one who manifests. He's in you. He's here. And he manifests the kingdom. He manifests the covenant. He is the one that we stand on because he knows what happened. He knows that Jesus paid for it. And he knows it's a deal between the Father and the Son. And he will always honor covenant. And if we kind of start getting that kind of stuff, then everything will change in our lives. The way we pray for people, the way we expect things in our lives. So blood covenant covenant in Abraham we saw was in Genesis 15, 9 to 11. Look at this. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham bought, so he brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other, the birds. However, he did not cut in half. Then birds of the prey came to the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into, Abraham, sorry, fell into a, a deep sleep. Abraham, only the name changed, of course, after the covenant. Uh, was cut in deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made covenant with Abraham. So what happened was the, a blood, blood thing was made, a blood path was made. This was a very normal thing in those days. That's why Abraham didn't say, what are you talking about, Lord? No, very normal. Kings would make a blood thing like that. A covenant would be like this. And, and kings would, would have animals like this. And then the kings would 
together walked through this and I said, if we somehow break this covenant, this is going to happen to you. You're going to die. And basically, the thing is that the blood covenant was a, a, a sign of this is a covenant of together. Now, the most wonderful thing, of course, in this thing, which is very, very, very powerful, is that, of course, Abraham was doing what? He was watching when God was looking through. What was he doing? He was asleep. So God walked through this in the night as the fire, so as God the Father and God the Son, they walked through this path. Can you imagine this? As Abraham was asleep, he had absolutely nothing to do with this. And of course, this is a great picture of what we see in the New Testament, that also there we have nothing to do with this. I mean, you weren't even born when Jesus cut covenant with God 2,000 years ago. And so it's absolutely wonderful picture of what happened then. <clears throat> And so that was absolutely wonderful. So we see that there's no covenant without the shedding of blood. And the key of understanding God's covenants is that God works through a blood economy. Now the problem is that we in this world don't really understand blood economy because it's kind of foreign, it's kind of gross to us. I said last week, and I thought it was very pertinent, very, I think very beautiful to see that the intent of God, when you get married and there's a virgin, that, that hymen gets broken when there's the first night, and then covenant is cut. It is such a beautiful picture. I know it's very intimate, guys, but it's life. Let's get on. The thing is, though, what I'm trying to say is how beautifully God even put there into the human. I, I talked to somebody yesterday. There's no reason why the hymen should be there. There's no reason for the body to have it there. The only reason I can see is that it's a covenant. Because when the man and the woman comes together... There's a blood and there's a shedding of blood and a covenant is cut. And the covenant is cut. It's so beautiful. And the blood, which represents life, often the first night when there's no contraception, often a baby will be born. Out of this life will come new life. It is absolutely beautiful. But it's foreign to us. You know, it's not foreign to the witches' covenants, though. They still do blood covenants. They, they do bring. They, they, they bring their blood and put it into a cup and they drink it together. They will cut hands and they will do that kind of stuff. It is not foreign because they know the power of this. We don't understand blood economy, but the thing is, though, that's why Hebrews is so important in the Bible, because God actually works through blood covenants, whether we like it or whether we don't, because for God, the life is in the blood, and without blood flowing, there can't be any forgiveness, and there can't be a covenant. So, so far, so good? Mm. Cool. Now, we have seven covenants in the Bible, but the main... Uh, three are blood covenants that we normally refer to, and they are the most important ones. And, of course, it's Abraham, three people, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. The Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant, and also the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Now, very quickly, the Abrahamic covenant <clears throat> was based on grace. It was given to Abraham, given to Israel. It was based on pedigree, basically the family. It was though the family line of of Abraham, those are the only ones who qualified. Not, not faith in it, or not uh, if you're good or bad or whatever. It is just a family line, and so that's how you got into this thing. So it was for that family line, it was based on grace. So the Abrahamic covenant, that early covenant, who was this for? Who was it with? Was it with us? No, it was with Jews, Abraham. It was actually with Israel. Now we come to the other one. The next one is the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Covenant. 
that we normally refer to. And sometimes people refer to it as kind of the Old Testament, New Testament, which is totally wrong. But that's how you kind of see it, you know, a little bit like that. Anyway, it kind of is right too, because a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament is Old Covenant, even through the life of Jesus, until he dies uh, and blood is shed, then the New Covenant starts. So there's a whole period of people living under the Old Covenant. Now, the Old Covenant was made with? Israel. Was it made with you? No. It's got anything to do with you? No. So it was based on, this was different. This was based on performance. And God made a deal. We'll read from it in a, in a minute. God says, okay, you do this, I do this. And that was based on performance. You do good, you get good. Do bad, get bad. Blessing and curse depending on how you were performing. Because that's the deal that God made. It's the only, t- only covenant in that sense that is up to God up to me and to God. It's actually like this. The other ones are not, which we will see very soon. So it was for Israel. Then the new covenant comes with Jesus Christ. That was made with who first? Was it made with you? Well, yes and no. Who was it made with? Who was there 2,000 years ago? They were Jews. There were no Gentiles. Jesus had 12 disciples and they were Jews. There was no, there was no, there was Jews. It was Israel. Okay, so Israel. It was an unconditional covenant covenant and the covenant is cut through Jesus Christ and the covenant is based on whose performance? Jesus. It's only based on the performance of Jesus and has nothing to do with our performance. Hebrews 8, 7 to 13, which is kind of a the uh, uh, same scripture that is basically prophesied through uh, Jeremiah in 31, 31. Jeremiah 31, 31, same scripture. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, we just talked about, the one Abrahamic covenant, then no place would have sought for another one, for the new one. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, which is the old one, when I took them by the hand, led them out of Egypt, there was Moses, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant, the new one, I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. Let's say that line together. And I will remember their sins no more. That's the good news, you know. Uh, just, just right there. Uh, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. This was prophesied by Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah 31, 31. This was prophesied. A few thoughts and then we're done. Now one of the thoughts I have is very, very important for us uh, to understand. That all the covenants were made with Israel. See, sometimes we think, yeah, but what about the the Ten Commandments? What about the law? Well, what covenant was that? That was the Mosaic Covenant. Was the Mosaic Covenant for you? No. Does God use it? Absolutely. It says, we talked about two weeks ago, that the whole earth is basically uh, stand guilty before God because he knows that nobody can fulfill that law. So it absolutely God used it, but it was never with us and it was never for us in this sense, Right? But some people still do that. Some people think, oh yeah, it's for us. It's in the Bible, isn't it? Isn't the Bible for us? Well, yes and no. You've got to learn interpretation of the Bible, right? So, we only see Christians, sorry, Gentiles coming to faith where? Very far in Acts, 
You know where. Who's the guy who got saved? Who got into the king? Who got filled with the Holy Spirit? Not Paul. Cornelius. Cornelius is the one who suddenly Peter has this vision and he says only for the Jews and then God has this vision, you know, out of the sky comes this, 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 this net, this, this sheet of, of animals that are, that are not kosher and he says eat. He says, and three times he does it. What do you mean, Lord? I'm not going to eat this animal. Yeah, eat. And the whole thing, God was, was preparing his heart that the Gentiles, which for the Jews, of course, were pigs and they were unclean and not kosher, that God was going to bring the covenant to them too. And, and it was also for them, you know. And so we see it with Cornelius because suddenly what happened? How do they know what happens to them? Was it like, yeah, but I have faith in Jesus? What would happen? If the power of God hit the room as they start speaking in tongues. And Peter says, oh, yes, I see that the new covenant has come also to these people. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we see in Romans how beautiful that Gentiles have been grafted into Israel, into the root. That's why the root supports you. We've been grafted into Jesus. But it was not primary you and I straight away that the covenant was cut for. It was with Israel and then also to us. That's why we love Israel so much. And of course, then sadly, then for us and for Israel, but God has a purpose with this. Of course, and we see this in Romans, that God then blinds the eyes. That's how it actually got to us. He blinds the eyes of the Jews for a while so that we can have salvation. And then we know we see in Romans at the end of time, whenever it's going to happen, is that God will open the eyes of the Jews and they will recognize the Messiah. Many are now. More and more they recognize the Messiah. But there will come a time that all Israel will be saved. Suddenly something will happen and they will see the Messiah and they will cry and they will weep and they will see, man, Jesus was and is our Messiah. Very, very powerful. What was the problem with the Old Covenant? What was the problem with the Mosaic Covenant? What's the problem with the law? You can't keep it. That's what he says here. For there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, verse 7. There would, there would be no place, but God find, found fault. What was the fault? People, it says. Is there fault with the covenant? No. The covenant is perfect and righteous and true, and it will stand throughout all eternity. But what the problem was, us. It says there, the people did not remain faithful. We cannot keep that covenant. And so God says, I found fault with this. That's why Paul talks about that Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness. It's not the end of the law. Some people say, yeah, it's the end of the law. No, the end of the law, the law is perfect. It will stand forever. It will never change. The problem is the righteousness under the law. We can't keep our law, and that's why God gave a new thing. He said, okay, I'll do something else. He said, for one, I'll make a deal with Jesus, and the, and, the, and the whole covenant will be based on Jesus and on God, and they will cut it in the same way with Abraham. And, of course, through Jesus Christ, we go straight back to Abraham. So it's beautiful how it goes full circle, bypassing, by the way, the kind of the ditch, the, the glitch in there, the whole mosaic thing, you know. And, and so wonderful how, how we see it all coming together like this. But the law is perfect. It's just us under the law is a problem. And that's why the new covenant has our right, the law on their hearts. It's a new thing. The Holy Spirit will come at Pentecost. That's why Jesus cut the covenant. And 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came. That's why he says, I'll write my laws on their hearts. Jesus says a new commandment I gave you. And it's about what? What does he say? It's really one commandment that we are to live by. Now love one another as I have loved you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now the other thing is that the three covenants are all cut in blood. 
And that is the most wonderful thing, but the most important thing I want you to get today, that it's a blood economy. He works by a blood economy. Every covenant, all those three covenants, were all cut in blood. And the deal is sealed only in blood. Blood cuts the covenant. With Abraham, we saw the animals, the blood path. In Moses, in Exodus 24, I'm almost done. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. See, they thought they could do it. They were so proud. And Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar to, on the, at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he sent, the young Isra- then he sent young Isra- Israelite men and they offered bird offerings and sacrificed young bulls and fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and poured it in bowls. The other half splashed against the altar. Then he took the, blood, the book of the covenants, remember the words, and he read it to the people. And they responded, yes, we will do everything. What it says in there, we will obey. Yes, sir. And then Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. He says, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. It was blood that confirmed even that covenant of Moses. And then, of course, we come to the most wonderful covenant. Music team can come up. The most wonderful covenant that we are living in is the new covenant. That Jesus sealed in his own blood. And in 1 Corinthians, we see this beautiful uh, scripture that often uh, gets used, almost always gets used, uh, for uh, communion. But I want you to see something which is very, very powerful, which I kind of not recognized for many, many years and was kind of offended by. 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Here we go. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I don't know about you, but for many years, I could not understand this because I said, surely, Lord, it's not about the death. It's about life. Lord, you give us resurrection life. It's all about life. We don't want to proclaim your death. We want to proclaim your life. And even I, I mean, I've studied this for so many years. And then a few weeks ago, I thought, no, of course it is death because it is death. That's where the covenant was cut and that's where life began. And that's where we proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. And that's why we have the wine because it proclaims the Lord's death until it comes. Because this is the covenant that we stand in. It is the covenant of Christ with us. It is so powerful. In his death is our life. In his death is our inheritance. Everything comes because of this meal. Everything comes because of covenant. And that's why I'm so passionate about taking communion every day. Because every day I say to myself, Lord, today I stand on your covenant. I stand on what you cut Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And because of that, I have exchanged my life with your life. My life, which is insecure, it's got sinful things, it's got stuff in my life. I give it to you, and you fully accept me, like a marriage, fully accept me. You don't, unconditionally, I'm already forgiven, you love me forever. But the key thing of this whole thing, what I want you to see today, is that he gives his whole life to us through covenant. And so we can always appeal to covenant. 
And because of covenant, is that playing? Because of covenant, it, heaven comes to earth and invades your life. Healings come, Jason, when you start praying because of covenant, because we are a covenant people. We stand on this covenant and we see, and next week we'll finish in the great finale next week, you know, in this whole thing. We see, of course, that this thing is unbreakable, unshakable. We see that God actually swears by himself because there's no greater authority. He says, nobody can ever shake this covenant. It is unbreakable. Now, I want you to really feel this and know this because every day you live, everything you have, everything that comes to your life, whether it's healing, provision, everything is because of covenant. It's because of what he did. Not because of just God loves me and that's why he does this for me. Yes, he has, but he actually made a deal with you. And I want you to see this deal because even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel like his love, you can say, Lord, you have got covenant. Jesus, you have got covenant. You gave your life for me. And because of that, that covenant, your life is now available to me. And when I have not much peace, when I struggle in life, your peace is sufficient for me. And in my weakness, you are strong. And when I need something else, I need provision, I know that I can stand on you because everything is available for me from heaven. It's all available to me because I'm your son and I'm a covenant partner with you. And I had nothing to do with this. And that's why we love Jesus so much because we have nothing to do with it. It is not with us he cut the blood, cut the covenant, but it was for us. It was a deal between the God the Father and God the Son in the same way that he did with Abraham a long time ago. Let's stand together. It is so powerful. His kingdom comes. And what I would like to do today, because it is so powerful, healing comes, deliverance comes, provision comes, healing comes, uh, in the sense of healing from relationship, restoration comes. Everything is in the covenant. And so what I want to do, I want, to, I want us to, to share covenant together. We're going to share the meal together. And some of you are new here, you haven't seen this before. I want to say something about this because some of you don't know this because I shared this about three weeks ago. The thing is though, it is not just a ritual. And the Protestant church, they've made communion some kind of ritual. Yeah, let's do it once a month to kind of just kind of do this because Jesus said we should do it sometimes and let's just do this. And it's kind of like a symbolic. I don't eat symbols. This is not a symbol. Now the Catholic church has gone the other way around. They've got all the way that every time they have mass, this becomes Jesus, and they do transubstitution, which actually they crucify Jesus every Sunday, every Mass. Now that's awful. But the truth is somewhere in the middle, because it is actually substance. You eat of His body. It's a bit like faith. Faith is substance. You can't see faith, but with faith, things manifest into your life. It's like this meal. Bread, actually, it manifests. He says, I'm the bread of life. I eat from God. I eat from Jesus. And so when I have in the morning, I have my, my communion. And right now when we have it together, I said, I eat from you right now for this day. I ate your life. And I thank you, Lord, for life. I like for my kids, for my business. Everywhere I go today, I eat your life. I know that you're with me. I know I stand on this covenant today. It is just beautiful. And so that's what, we, and after that, we're going to actually have, have, have this covenant meal. And then we're going to pray for one another. Because the manifestation of his kingdom comes when we acknowledge by faith what's going on. This is substance. His body was broken for us. And his body is life. The exchange, he lost his life, but we gained his life. Everything about it. And his life is in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. He's called the Spirit of Jesus. It's actually the Spirit of Jesus. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit. 
Spirit of God, you know, is Trinity, but you know, it's actually called the Spirit of Jesus. He lives in you. Jesus is not here. God the Father is not here. He's on his throne. The Holy Spirit is here. But through the Holy Spirit, He is here too. You know, a bit complicated, the whole area, but you know. But the thing is though, we, we take bread, and so we take the meal. We thank you for the body that was broken for me. And then we take the cup, this most wonderful cup. I have these little cups that I bought uh, when I was, uh, when we were at the, uh, in Israel the other day. The little cups. The little, little, little um, wooden cups. But you know, at the garden tomb, you can buy them. I gave it to all my staff and some of my friends. The most important cup in the world. In the world. And so we, we lift this. And we say, Jesus, we thank you for the new covenant in your blood. When you cut this, when you died for me, a new reality was manifest in my life. And on this covenant, I built my life. Everything I am, everything I do, everything I will ever do is based on this covenant. You will never, ever fail me. And you start proclaiming these things over your life, over your children, over your business, over whatever you need. Because you are a covenant partner with God. Now we're going to take this right now. If you've never, if you've never received Christ, I, I, I'm not born again. I don't know Jesus, but it's wonderful what you're talking about, Gideon. Then today when the elements go past, you can say, Jesus, today I believe in you. And when you do, your old life will be cut away and you'll be born by His Holy Spirit. You'll become a new creation that talks in the Bible. And you'll become a covenant partner with him you become a covenant person and so hopefully you will do this today so we're going to take communion right now and then this after we've done this i would like then for us some of us to pray for each other i will do this and get some of you to stand and so don't start praying straight away with each other just start take communion and what i really want you to do right now is to really be aware and say to you i am a covenant partner i am a son and I am in covenant with Almighty God. I have given my life to Him. He's given everything to me. And it's all available to me because my inheritance is in the covenant. And so, Lord, I believe and I receive this today. That's what I like your posture to be this morning. Father, we thank you so much for giving Jesus. The perfect Lamb of God, the eternal Word of God, who at Christmas in two weeks' time became a little baby so vulnerable but he was the king of glory he was the light of the world and he was destined to go to this cross that we might come into this beautiful new covenant and so lord we celebrate this new covenant you are such a good good father you are such a good good father to us and we're so grateful to you that you made us sons and daughters not only that you made us your bride for your son Oh, Lord, you made us your bride for your son. And we're looking forward to this wedding feast of the Lamb, Lord. This wonderful time at the culmination of time. And we will join with all the church throughout the ages in this glorious wedding day. And until that time, Lord, we just rejoice in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you manifest your inheritance in our lives even today as we eat, as we drink. And we all said, 